Welcome to Growing Home, the podcast that helps you take care of the place that means the most to you, your home. I'm your host, Terry Therian, alongside your co-host, Len Giddix. All right, Len, well, we're back with another one. So how are you doing today? Oh, it's a great day to be alive, my friend. It is. And it, yourself? It's great, especially, uh, you know, I feel really good after listening to this episode. I was surprised and amazed by Chicken Soup for the Soul and the story that you brought back. What I thought of Chicken Soup for the Soul yeah. was really just only the tip of the iceberg. Yes, yes it is. I mean, it goes much deeper than that. These people really... I guess you have to, to to make it seem real, but these people actually live and feel what they what they write. They're storytellers, and that's the amazing thing when you think about it. I'd rather listen to a story than a lecture any day, even if the story is boring. And, and that was kind of what you know really surprised me was we, we know the brand. You know, Chicken Soup for the Soul is one of the most recognizable brands. Mm-hmm. You know, over the last thirty years now, almost. Yeah. And understanding what the original purpose was of why Chicken Soup for the Soul books were created. Mm-hmm. And then seeing how Amy Newmark, who are interviews with, how her and her husband have taken it on as like the second generation. Right. And continuing the mission. Even further than the books. Oh, yeah. Amy talks a little bit about like what Chicken Soup for the Soul is expanding into and, and all her new endeavors. And it's really impressive of where their vision's going and and what they've done uh with that company well why don't we listen to it and find out yeah yeah but before we get there oh we do have a grab bag winner for this week another winner yep there's always a winner at mackey's there's always a winner so this week we got an email from meg from stanford just an email now just an email just an email and that's all we require right that is it and how do you do this you just email us at podcast at com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at com. M-A-C-K-E-Y-S-I-N-C.com. Uh, just shoot us an email, a note, a question, a concern. Hopefully not a concern. A concern we can help with maybe. Oh, yeah, that we have the answer to. <laughs> yeah. If not, we'll, we'll find some expert to answer yeah. that for us. Len, why don't we uh, uh, pick Meg's prize here? Reach into the big box? Into the bag. Watch out for those traps. Yeah, you know what? Uh, if you send in just an email without a question, I am not going to risk the mousetrap at the bottom of this thing. I'm only going halfway, okay? But there's some great, great prizes that don't weigh a lot, okay? But the F-150 is down the bottom somewhere. Yeah. Okay, here you go, Terry. All right. So we have <laughs> this a, is great. a T-shirt uh, from Bonide. So Bonide's probably one of our favorite companies as we've gone through, especially through the spring garden season. Um, You know what? Uh, I like that company. They have uh, a a wide array of organic pesticides, in my case, uh, uh, that really work. And I'm a great supporter of them. Yeah. And a cool company too, right? Started by a family in the early 1900s. and Still American made, local. Yep. Most of it's made in upstate New York. Yep. Yep. Right at their facility there, which uh, they just recently expanded. So... Great. Meg, thank you so much for your email. And, you know, everybody else out there, send us your emails or questions, podcast at MackeysInc.com. And with that, we'll kick off right into a fantastic interview with Amy Newmark from Chicken Soup for the Soul. (laughs) 
So, Amy, welcome, and thank you for joining us on the Growing Home Podcast. It's my pleasure to be here. I would do anything to support you guys. All right. Well, thank you so much. So, Amy, you're the editor-in-chief and publisher of the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series, and your husband, Bill, is the company's CEO. So it's really a family business. We are. We're a family business in Connecticut, just like you guys. Yep, yep. Um, So that's why we love Mackey's so much. So, yeah, I do work with my husband, and theoretically, he's my boss. Oh. Yeah, you Uh, probably know how that works in a family business. Yeah, so I report to my mom and dad, and uh, and my brother works right alongside me. So there's, there's definitely that unique dynamic with working with your family day in and day out. Yeah, and it's really interesting when it's a husband and wife. So I basically run our whole book business, and years ago he would ask to see the covers or learn what my new book ideas were, and now he never asks me anything. Uh, I no. just I just tell him. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I mean, my, our business is doing great. We're mm-hmm. up substantially this year, even in you know an environment that's not great for book sales. Yeah, but we're doing really well, and. I think he just trusts me with it. But he also knows that it doesn't really work when a husband is the boss of his wife. Oh, okay. And so everybody around here laughs when they see that I report to him because they know. That's not how it works in reality. I think they think he reports to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's how it actually works. Maybe, you know, you can share with me. You guys have been working together for so long now. How do you make it work on a day-in, day-out basis? How does it work at home when, you know, work's always on top of your mind? Oh, yeah. Well, that's interesting because usually I'm okay with talking about work, you know, even at nights and on weekends, but sometimes I just can't take it. (laughs) Like last weekend, I was editing a book and he wanted to ask me about something else. And my mind was just totally focused on this book. Yeah. So we came up with this thing years ago to handle this problem. So I'm sure you read the Harry Potter series and you oh, know yeah. about Voldemort, yep. he who may not be named or whatever it is. Uh-huh. So years ago, I said to him, chicken soup for the soul is going to be Voldemort. Chicken soup for the soul, nights and weekends, will be he who cannot be named. <laughs> and I said, either one of us has the right to say Voldemort. So if one of us asks the other one uh-huh. a question about work on nights or weekends, you're allowed to just say Voldemort. So he, he did this to me this past weekend. He came in holding three different memos he wanted to talk to me about. Uh-huh. And I just looked at him and I said, Voldemort. But- <laughs> and he just looked crushed but resigned to his fate. And then he just walked away like with his shoulders slumping. And I was... And I was like, good, I'm safe till Monday morning. <laughs> that, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So in 2008, uh, you and your husband bought uh, the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series from the founders, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. So actually, can you take us back to what was the original purpose of Chicken Soup for the Soul when Jack and Mark created it? And then, you know, has that changed to what its purpose is today? So when it started out, they were both motivational speakers and it was the early days of this whole self-help industry, and it was when self-help had turned into storytelling. Mm-hmm. And they would always use stories to illustrate whatever points they were trying to make to their audiences. You know, you can think more positively and then give them a story that illustrated that or boosting your confidence and give them a story about a real person to illustrate that. Whatever point they were trying to make, whatever advice they were imparting, They would illustrate it with a story because storytelling is 
really the way that mankind has best passed on wisdom and culture and advice over, oh. you know, thousands of years, right? Yeah, Because that's how we learn best. We learn so much better from a story where a real person has an experience we can relate to. Mm-hmm. We learn better than if we had, like, an essay with, like, a to-do list at the end of it or, you know, do these five steps sure, to make yourself sure. more self-confident or whatever the lesson was. Yeah. So somebody asked them to put all their stories together into a book, all these true stories they had been telling. So they did that, and they created this 101-story book, and they called it Chicken Soup for the Soul, which I think is a great name because chicken soup worldwide, I researched this at one time, worldwide it's used for its curative powers. Really? You know, when people are ill, in every culture that has chickens available, so almost every culture has chickens, they always use chicken soup as a curative thing. So they called it Chicken Soup for the Soul, They created this volume, and then they went out looking for a publisher. And the story they tell is that they were turned down by 143 publishers, but I don't think there were 143 (laughs) publishers back then. You know how these stories change. I mean, it was 26 years ago. But I'm sure they were turned down by every publisher that they could find. And this was before the Internet, so I don't even know how they got a list of publishers. And then they finally found an entity that wasn't really a publisher. It was more of a print shop. Okay down in Florida, and that guy um, printed up a couple of thousand copies for them. They put the books in the trunks of their cars and started taking them to the speeches and selling them at the back of the room after the speech. And then that guy became their publisher and did a great job, you know, of distributing the book, and Jack and Mark did a great job of publicizing the book. And that first Chicken Soup for the Soul book became a nationwide phenomenon. Yeah. And over time, just in the U.S., it has sold more than 8 million copies, wow. which is huge for a book. Yeah. And so then people asked them, well, could you make a chicken soup for the woman's soul? Could you make a chicken soup for the teenage soul? Gotcha. And so it just took off from there, uh-huh. and it became a publishing industry phenomenon. And until the Harry Potter series came along, it was the best-selling series of all time in the publishing industry. Wow. Well, that's pretty good company there. Yeah. Now, of course, (laughs) we bought it in 2008 when Jack and Mark decided they were too busy with their motivational speaking careers and all the other kinds of books they were writing. They didn't have time for Chicken Soup for the Soul anymore, and they wanted somebody to come in and take Chicken Soup for the Soul to the next level because they knew it could be so much more. And so... They sold the company to us because my husband really had a vision for where he could take this brand name, and I had a vision for where we could take the books and how we could make the books even more relevant and topical and diverse and useful. And so uh, I undertook the relaunch of the book series starting in 2008, and he undertook relaunching the rest of the company and taking the brand elsewhere. Yeah. And so over the next few years, we um, have vastly expanded the business. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I find that fascinating. You know, I, I read a little bit about your background, which is very diverse, where you've had a, a long career in finance. You were a corporate executive at a tech company. You have a degree from Harvard in Portuguese and a minor in French. And here you are 
you know, brainstorming the future as an editor in chief and publisher. How was the transition into from that career, your the finance and tech career, into publishing? It is kind of strange, right? Like if you were trying to describe my career in terms of a breed, I'd be a mutt, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I started out with this very literature oriented degree, you know. But it was also sociological because I went down to Brazil. And here's the funny thing, and it shows you how life comes back around. Yeah. When I was studying Portuguese at Harvard, and they didn't have enough Portuguese courses available to complete a major because I was the only Portuguese major at Harvard, um, I had to go to Brazil for a semester. And then I had to undertake a research project to support um, my thesis because to graduate with honors, you had to write a thesis your right. senior year. So. I decided to study popular poetry in northeast Brazil, very esoteric. It was this poverty-stricken area, and I traveled around, which was incredibly weird because there I was, like, pale as a ghost, blonde hair down my back, blue eyes that none of them had ever seen. Right. I would literally have 50 people standing around me in these little towns I went into, staring at my hair and my eyes and wondering, like, what is this alien creature? Wow. Because I was in the middle of... You know, an area where a lot of people were of, you know, the native Brazilian descent, whatever, Indian populations, and they just had never seen anybody who looked like me. So it was really, it was really strange. I was, um, I was, it was quite the sight for these people. And anyway, I did that research and I was collecting stories from regular people. And my thesis was basically a compilation of stories from all these different people that I met in Brazil. And that's how I created my thesis about what was going to happen to this form of popular poetry in northeastern Brazil. And then when I was sitting down, I had never had a resume. And I sat down at age 50 when we bought Chicken Soup for the Soul to write a resume because I needed one. And LinkedIn had come along Uh and all of that. And that was when I realized, oh, my gosh, I've already done this. I've already collected stories from regular people and put them together into a book. Okay. Right? Because that's what I did. So anyway, I went from that to being a telecommunications consultant and, you know, an industry strategist, writing books about telecommunications, and then went into a finance career as a Wall Street analyst, writing reports about – it's always about writing, though. I was writing reports about stocks that people should buy or sell and then – joined the management of a startup telecom company and then was a board member on a lot of different technology company boards. Oh, and ran a hedge fund in the middle of that also. I forgot to mention that. (laughs) So, yeah, I did all of that. And then all of a sudden I go from like two emotions on Wall Street, fear and greed, to like the whole panoply of emotions, right, that you get in the whole human experience which is now what I write about in Chicken Soup for the Soul. Oh, well, that's fantastic. So, you know, with the career you've had, I mean, it's definitely ambitious and challenging. Are there any stories that you've come across or messages you've curated that you think, man, I wish I wish my younger self would have read this or I wish I would have shared that with my younger self? You know, there is a story just like that. And this might not sound totally Chicken Soupy because it has to do with getting rid of people. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I think this is a really important story. And I put this in, I wrote a personal memoir in 2016 called Simply Happy. And it's basically a crash course in what I've learned from Chicken Soup for the Soul and from my life in general. 
And so this is a story that I have had so many women come back to me and talk about. They've said, I read your Simply Happy book, and I'm implementing this strategy. Thank you so much. I didn't know I could do this. So here's the story. This woman, Georgia, she had cancer, and she had friends driving her to chemo. You know, and every treatment, a different friend would drive her to chemo. And uh-huh. one time, a friend drove her to chemo, a supposed friend. And all the woman did the whole time was talk about everybody she knew who had cancer, who had a bad outcome. And it was the first time that Georgia got really sick after chemo. And she realized that life is like a garden, and you have to basically pull the weeds in order to let the flowers flourish And so she realized that she had to pull the weeds from her life because people who brought negativity or toxic behavior or thoughts into her life were like weeds. Yeah. And so she dropped that supposed friend from her life and she started cleaning up her life. You can't do it with relatives, of course. Right, right. Right? Stuck with those. You're stuck with them. (laughs) You love them and you're stuck with them. But you can do it with friends. And I was... In my early 50s, when I read that story, it was such an eye-opener because I, like most women, had friends who were very needy, who were sapping my emotional energy, Uh where I would say, I have to go and see so-and-so. And then I realized, wait, you don't have to do that. You have only so much time to live, and you can surround yourself with people who add value to your life, and then you can spend more time on things that you care about and people you care about, like your family and your friends who do bring joy into your lives and your pets and your garden and everything else that that makes life wonderful for you. So that's a story that had a big impact on me. Yeah, that's fantastic. That is, uh, even the, the weeding reference works well for our garden listeners. I know, so. but it, you know, it really <laughs> makes sense to everybody, right? Even it if does. you're not a gardener, you totally understand that the weeds – get in the way of the sun nurturing the rest yeah. of your garden. Yeah, I think that's great and, and definitely something that, you know, that your time on earth is limited and making the most of it and putting a positive energy into stuff. And, you know, whether you're overcoming a challenge yourself or, you know, you're just trying to do something positive, whether it's something, a personal goal or an achievement within your own garden or achievement at work, whatever it may be, in order to accomplish that and push yourself through that, you need to be around those positive people and feed yourself with that positivity or read a chicken soup for the soul book. Yeah. And I don't think it's really selfish. I think it's really just the right thing to do. And it will be so good for the people in your life, your family and your true friends. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So this spring, it's been a a big spring for you guys where you've had uh, two books that have released recently that are both pet focused. Can you share those titles with us and a little bit of you know, maybe what inspired the creation? Yeah, so we are so into pets at Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're just crazed about pets. <laughs> we really are. We we all have dogs or cats in our families, um, mostly rescues, uh-huh. and we're really passionate about dogs and cats. And we, we're a very socially conscious company, and we donate a lot to various causes. Our biggest cause always has been dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. And so we put out new books about dogs and cats every year and a half or so. And the last four pairs of dog and cat books have supported American Humane, which 
Uh, you might have known by their previous name, American Humane Society. Yep. But it's the largest, uh, or it's the oldest animal welfare organization in the country, and they provide a lot of support to pets during natural disasters. They'll go in. They have these big trucks. They have guys who used to work in the military, and they go in like a military team, and they rescue dogs wow. and cats when there are hurricanes, wildfires, uh, flooding, any kind of natural disaster. They'll go in and save people's pets, and then they'll shelter them until their families can come and get them, or if their families can't ever come back and get them, then they will rehome them in a very nice way. And they also support a lot of regular shelters and rescue organizations. And so we support them with our books, and we also use our books to accomplish a little goal of our own, which is to make people always think first about going to a shelter when they want to add a dog or cat to their lives we want them to think shelter first, also reputable breeder, yep. but we don't want them to ever go to a place where dogs and cats are perhaps sourced from a disreputable breeder. Sure. Yeah. So we emphasize that in our books, and we even emphasize black cats and black dogs, senior dogs and senior cats, pit, bull, pit bulls and pit bull mixes, mm -hmm. because we know those are the categories that are more often left behind in shelters. Right, and it's a real challenge for the rescues. Yeah, and so we need to clear those through, and then other dogs and cats can come in to take their place. But the worst thing is to have a dog or a cat so-called euthanized, which sounds a lot nicer than it really is. Yeah. So yeah. we... We want people to walk away after reading our dog and cat books, having had a wonderful time reading them, yeah. but also subconsciously thinking shelter the next time they want to add to their family. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, uh, it's no lie, because when I, when I walked into the office here, the first bookshelf I saw was the dog and cat uh, uh, chicken soup for the soul uh, bookshelf. So I, I thought that's fantastic. So what are the two books that came out this spring? So these have been amazing. In fact, we had the biggest start with these new dog and cat books that we have ever had with any dog or cat book. So one is called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Dog, and mm -hmm. the other one is Life Lessons from the Cat, and the stories are fabulous. And we had thousands of stories submitted, and we had to narrow it down to just 101 in each book. So you can imagine it's the cream of the crop with such variety to the yeah. stories. So of, of the thousands you've had, how, how do you select like just these 101 stories? It's hard. It's almost like being a college admissions officer oh. where, you know, you're leaving a lot of good ones out yeah. because you just can't take everybody. Yep. So the way it works is people go to our website, chickensoup.com, yep. and they click on submit your story. And then we walk them through the whole process. We give them writing guidelines, and we show them all the different titles we're working on. And then there's a form that they fill out. And then there's a little tiny box that will actually accept their story that they wrote in Word, and they just copy and paste it into this magic box. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like Santa's bag you know, with the shrinking powder or whatever. Yeah. Like, it will fit. So anyway, they, they submit the story, and then we have a whole team of editors. Uh-huh that reads the stories. And they all know what we're looking for. These are seasoned chicken soup for the soul editors. They narrow it down to a few hundred. And then I'm finally given the few hundred semifinalists to read. And then I have to make that tough choice oh, man. of the 101 that are going to go in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's picking already from like a, a group where they're all great. 
Yeah, and it's really hard to do it. And then I feel bad for the ones I don't take. But the people we do pick are so thrilled, and they'll always get articles written about them in the local press. Like we had some Connecticut writers in both of those books. Really? Yeah, yeah, we did. Some in your area. And uh, yeah, but it's a big deal because you're getting – you're selective to be in the 101 out of 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 stories that were submitted. That's fantastic. So – can you share with us, why are all of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books all 101 stories? That was something that they had started back in 1993. They thought 100 was a round number, but then they somehow thought, well, we'll give you one extra to just propel you forward. I don't know. It's just what they did. I mean, my life would be a lot easier if they had picked <laughs> a different magic number like 75, you know. So yeah. my life would be a lot easier, but it's 101, and... I really wanted to honor the legacy of the brand when we took it over when it was already 15 years old. And so I kept going with the 101. So it's a nice, thick book. It's a a good read. It will take you a long time to read 101 stories. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, once you get into a few, you just keep going. They're Um, like potato chips, aren't they? Oh, my God. You you need one more. I know. But you know what's good is that because it's in 101 bites, you know, if you're a super busy person, you can read one, put it down, Leave it on your night table uh, or in the bathroom or wherever you do your reading. You know? <laughs> Sometimes if I want my husband to read one of my books, I leave it in the bathroom. In the bathroom. What can I say? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, but at least it's 101 bite-sized stories. And each story has its own story arc. Like they're really standalone stories. They are. They are. Yeah. So, you know, from these two books that just came out, were there any that connected with you personally? So there was there was one that – like almost made me cry. And when I talked about this story on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast, my producer said, Amy, you just made me cry back at the, you know, he was like, I was in the studio and he was out with the equipment and he was out there crying while I was telling the story and trying not to cry while I told the story. And it was about this dog. Um, It was so cool because it was by this woman named Elizabeth DeLisi. And she had this beagle who was just so faithful and so trusting. And so Elizabeth said that when they, when she was young, the family would always go on these long road trips, like across the country to visit family in the summer. Yeah. And they always took this beagle, which was a rescue. And there's just something about rescues. Like they are so grateful to you and you just feel so much sympathy, right? For them. And like, you don't know what they went through before you got them. And you know, they like you are their life, and and really they become your life too. And so, they had this wonderful, sweet rescue beagle, and the beagle was so good. Like when they would stop, you know, for everybody to go to the bathroom at a rest stop as they drove across the country, yep. they'd all run into the bathroom. They'd let the beagle out. He would go do his thing, jump back in the car. And one day they stopped somewhere, and it was pouring rain, so everybody dashed to the bathroom, dashed back to the car. They you know took off in the rain. The beagle hadn't jumped back into the car, but they didn't recognize that until about four hours later because the beagle was so good and so quiet, and then they realized they didn't have the beagle. And there were no cell phones. So the first thing they had to do was they were in the middle of nowhere. There were no pay phones. They had to find a way to find to call information, figure out the gas station where they had stopped, find out if the beagle was there. They couldn't find out. So they just turned around and drove four hours back to where they had they had to go find the gas station again yeah, yeah. and 
Elizabeth and her sister were crying in the car, like they were so upset. And so they got back to the gas station. It's still pouring rain. It's pitch black. The gas station is closed. There is nobody there. And what do they see through the dark and the rain but two eyes in their headlights? And that beagle was sitting right where they had left him, in the rain, sopping wet, water pouring off his his beagle ears, you know, and just looking at them like, I knew you would come back. And they just couldn't believe that the beagle had done that, and they felt so terrible. But he just sat there trusting his people would come back. And they talked to this lady at a campsite that was adjacent to the gas station, and she said she had tried to get the beagle and bring it inside, do Mm -hmm. something for it, but the beagle would not move. He waited right where they had left him. And they felt so bad. Um, And they wrapped him up in a sweater and they, you know, fed him steak that night. And he had no idea how all these good things were happening to him. But anyway, it was just a great story about the incredible faith that a dog has in its humans. And it really makes you feel very responsible for your dog. Yeah, yeah, because they're so connected to you and so reliable upon you, but yet they're so committed and loyal beyond probably what we'd experience any other point in our life. Yeah, and we always feel like we rescued them, but they always do so much more for us than we do for them. Yeah. Yeah, like there was this other story that I talked about on the podcast, and I actually shared 20 different stories from our new dog book on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Yeah. There was another story that made me think about the benefits of dogs and what they bring to our lives. Yeah. You know, they really make people healthier and, you know, more fit and happier because they make people exercise. And so we had a story from this woman named uh, Winter Prasapio, and she didn't like walking. I mean, her husband was a runner, but she didn't even walk. She Mm -hmm. just, I don't know, she just thought cars were what you used to move around. I don't personally get that because I love to walk and Uh I love to walk dogs. I think it's great, but... She didn't want to do it, but then they got this very rambunctious dog, and the dog really needed exercise and just wasn't behaving well. And so she thought exercise is going to solve the problem. So she started taking the dog out, and before she knew it, she was walking three miles a a day with this dog. And she became fit and happy and healthy, and she became a walker because of her dog. And I just read recently there was some study I just saw it in the New York Times recently about how people who have dogs tend to be healthier because they walk their dogs. Oh, you know, And I don't know if it's that people who are, I don't know, predetermined they're going to be healthier anyway. They end up getting dogs because they're Uh willing to take on the physical burden of having a dog or if the dogs are really what creates the better fitness. But I know when you have a dog, like I dog sit all the time for – our grown children. And I know that I'm out there with that dog in the snow, in the rain, you know, no matter what, I'm out there walking around with that dog. They need the exercise. Right. And so it really does make you get out there. Uh And there's something about exercising outdoors that is so much better for you than being indoors. Right. Uh, You just move differently. Yep. Yep. I I think it totally, um, I've uh, been mostly a runner um, for most of my life. And, uh, it's something that sometimes it's as stressful as the run maybe physically, mentally, clears my head. And um, I think it's, it's an a- amazing experience whether you get out running or walking. 
I totally agree with you because you, when you're outdoors, you feel freer and you move better. And also just being outdoors and hearing the birds and being with the trees. And there was this other study about how being near trees improves people's health. Really? Yeah. It, they, I mean, it was, I was, I can't cite you all the statistics sure, sure, now, sure. but yeah. it was a real scientific study about there's something about trees that makes people healthier. Very cool. And they said, even if you can just have trees outside your office window and look at them, that helps. But walking in the trees really helps. And I love going for long walks. I listen to an audio book while I do it. Yeah. yeah. But we just published a book about running. Um, it's called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Running for Good. Uh-huh. And we have dog stories in there, too, about people, you know, running and walking with their dogs. But that book is all about the benefits of running and walking and how it helps people just as much mentally and emotionally as it does physically. Yeah, it's, it's kind of you know, like your own personal therapy, right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I, I, you know, and I am, um, I finished uh, cancer treatment a couple of months ago. Wow. So I'm in remission now and learning how to deal with like that fear of recurrence that every cancer patient talks about. And now I'm one of them after having, you know, edited their stories for years. And I've come up with my own, one of my strategies now for dealing with the fear is getting out there and walking three miles almost every day. Wow. Because there's something that is so therapeutic and curative about getting outside and walking or running. And I would run if I could, um, but I don't know. I don't think I have the back for it. You know? So, <laughs> so I, I walk instead of running, but I love it. Good for you. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So as much as these stories, uh, about the pets make us feel good and, and do so much good for us, the, the book itself, um, it gives back to the American humane, but you, the chicken soup for this whole company also does good for these pets and has a pet food line uh, that has a, a philanthropic component to it as well. Yes. So the very first new kind of product that the Chicken Soup for the Soul name went on after the book business was the pet food business. And people are a little bit surprised, mm-hmm. but it really is consistent because people tend to feed their pets with even more care than they feed themselves. Right. Right, they really care about the ingredients that they feed their pets, and we are so passionate about the welfare of dogs and cats at Chicken Soup for the Soul that it seemed like a natural extension for us to go into the pet food business doing it our way, which mm-hmm. is to have a super premium food that is really good for dogs and cats and also does good yeah. through contributions that we make. So first of all, talking about the food itself, it doesn't have, you know, those bad ingredients from China that some brands have. Mm -hmm. It's recommended by breeders. In fact, my sister-in-law went and got a Labradoodle from a breeder, and the breeder had no idea that she had anything to do with chicken soup for the soul. And the breeder said to her, I will only let you buy a dog from me if you promise to feed the dog chicken soup for the soul puppy food for his first year. Oh, no way. Yeah, and my sister-in-law told me, and I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised because that's what people do. Like, we hear that all the time because when they do all of those quality studies that you read about in the 
dog and cat magazines, we always Mm -hmm. do extremely well in the rankings. And it's just like our books, too. It's a premium product, but it's at a more accessible price level. We're always trying to deliver extra value. So in our book business, we have these super thick books. You know, I kind of apologize that there's 101 stories. It's a lot (laughs) to read. And the list price on the books is $14.95, but really it should be $19.95 if we compared it to what every other publisher is charging for the same size book. And I know you guys are going to be selling our books for a lower price, right? Yeah. 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 Delivering extra value to your customers. Now, our dog and cat food is the same way. So it's super premium, but a more accessible price. And yes, just like when you buy our books, you know that we're donating money to American Humane. When you buy our pet food, for every package that you buy, Mm -hmm. we donate four meals to a dog or cat in need at a shelter or at a rescue organization. And our goal, and we have surpassed it, is to donate at least one million meals per year to dogs and cats in need. And we've donated millions already. And we do a lot of it through American Humane. So we give Mm -hmm. them tons, tons, like just for one disaster, we'll send them, you know, a truck filled with tons of food for, you know, one wildfire rescue or flooding rescue or hurricane rescue. So we're really passionate about that. We always try to give back. And I know you guys are planning to give back also when you sell our books. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this past spring, uh, our three Mackey's locations, we are we have launched the dog and cat food in our stores. And it, first of all, it really connected with us. There's a quote um, from Chicken Soup for the Soul where it says, pets are a source of energy and joy, making home a healthier and happier place to be, which aligns directly with what our goal is. We, you know, we always think of it that we're helping our customers take care of the place that's the most special to them, and that's their home. And so when we saw that perfect alignment, you know, we looked into the food and appreciated its quality. So with that and the launch of the pet food in our stores, we're going to be selling the books and donating 100% of our proceeds to our local shelters that we work with every year to help them raise funds. So we're super excited about that. And thank you guys have been a great partner in helping us do that. Well, that is great. And we actually, we have this phrase we use a lot. It's called... Tales for Tales. So it's T-A-L-E-S, you know, so stories, tales for T-A-I-L-S, you know, dog or cat tales. Because the writers of our stories, we let them buy our books at a at a super low price. It's a nonprofit price for us. Mm-hmm. And they will go to their local um pet food stores or pet stores in general all over the country and do readings of their stories and then sell books there also to raise money for shelters all over the country. So it's really circular and wonderful. Here we are. We're publishing stories about dogs and cats that have been rescued. We're donating money from the sales of those books to American Humane. Our contributors and our our retailers, like Mackey's, are using the books to raise money for their local shelters. So it's one big circle, right? Yeah, yeah. I was even thinking, like, even with the pet food that you guys donate, like, think how many people end up adopting those pets that are able to survive because you've helped feed them. 
and how happy you've made the next 12 to 15 years of their life. Yeah, and when you walk into one of those shelters, oh my gosh, I did a tour one year of shelters in California that we were giving food to. So as we dumped like a truckload of food (laughs) at each place, I'd follow behind and get publicity for that shelter and tell people, hey, if you come to the shelter, um, you know, you're going to get a bag of pet food to take with you with your new dog or cat family member. But I remember walking in and seeing those dogs and cats in those cages and just looking out so friendly and their eyes are so soulful and they were beautiful animals. And Mm -hmm. I just, I wanted to adopt all of them, every single one of them, (laughs) you know, Um, it's just incredible when you walk into one of those places and you see these perfect animals that would fit so well into your life. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, they all find a great home. Well, Amy, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking with me today. So where can we find the latest of what's going on with Chicken Soup for the Soul? So you can go to our website, which is Mm chickensoup.com. And on that website, you can click on pets, and you can read a lot more about the pet food that Mackey's is selling Mm -hmm. so that you can read about the ingredients, the philosophy behind it. Uh, You'll read um, our blog with great tips about taking care of cats and dogs And then also you can see where you can submit a story. If you're a writer, we love getting Connecticut writers. And so you'll see how you can submit a story to us. And we, you know, walk you through that process. You can read about all of our current books, including the two books that Mackey's is going to be selling, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Cat and Mm -hmm. Life Lessons from the Dog. You can read about our entertainment business. We have a huge entertainment business now that has television shows and films, we actually have apps that you can download onto your phone or your iPad or your computer, or also they're already on your smart TV. One of them is called Popcorn Flicks. Uh One of them is called Crackle. And with these apps, you can watch movies and TV shows for free. Wow. Yeah, we do a lot. (laughs) We are everywhere now. Good for you. That is awesome. That is awesome. And then the podcast you mentioned earlier. Oh, yes. There's yeah. my podcast, yeah. the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Yeah. So you can get that on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And every week there are three episodes, and I tell five or six stories per week. You'll be able to hear 20 different stories from the Life Lessons from the Dog Book and I think almost that many from the Life Lessons from the Cat book as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a great thing to listen to as you're out there walking the dog yeah. or working in your garden. Perfect. Uh, I can't say you'll be walking the cat unless you're one of the rare people who does that. Uh, we sell cat harnesses and leashes. So. I know. I, we have plenty <laughs> of stories about people walking their cats too. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we hope people will listen to the podcast and get some free Chicken Soup for the Soul stories that way. Oh, and we also have a newsletter When you go to chickensoup.com, you can also click on a button to um, sign up for our newsletter, and you can get a free story delivered to your email inbox every day. Great. Great. Well, Amy, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. We're really happy to be part of the Mackey's family. Thank you all for listening. For notes from this episode, visit the podcast section of our website at mackeysgrows.com. 
Also, we'd love to hear your topic ideas or questions, so drop us a line through our website's contact page. If you found the information in this podcast useful or simply just enjoyed our chat, we truly appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on your preferred listening app. It helps share our show with others and lets us know to keep working hard. Thanks again, and remember, where that is and what you love, that's home. Mackey's, where the home grows.